morning. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Love Fast Love Talk. I'm Bass Rose Ivy. That was Tevin Campbell. You know, there's a Tevin Candle Campbell challenge. Um, you know, celebrities, black ass celebrities, um, or famous black folks. Uh, black famous, black famous folks. Cause white folks don't be knowing Eric Benet and Tank and all them, all those folks. So anyway, they got this Tevin Campbell challenge, and you sing this. <laughs> I'm not gonna do it. Welcome to Love Bass Love Talk on Bass Rolls Ivy. Happy uh, well, I don't know, Tuesday morning. It's Tuesday. It's Tuesday in the Elm. It's Tuesday. Not to be confused with Monday <laughs> or Wednesday. It's Tuesday. So uh. I'm up and about doing my thing. So uh, I got up this morning with a different mindset. I got something else on my mind. So I've got to, uh, uh, I don't do some things a little different starting today, starting today. And you know, uh, which is, which is quite timely, uh, quite, quite timely. So uh, let me just say this. I just got news that uh, our dear friend and favorite Bennett Bell uh, Lindsley Gay is in the hospital. Uh, she had a tumor in her head. I don't know if this is public information, but I'm making it public because I want a whole community of prayer warriors to send prayers her way. That's what I want. So if anybody knows the word of prayer, and some of y'all do, and if you don't, open your mouths today and, and put some words into the universe for our favorite Bennett Bell, uh, Lindsley Gay. All right. So I'm just saying, if you ain't got nothing else to do, say a prayer in passing, keep it moving. I don't need people to be tarrying in the upper rooms. I just need you to, Hey, dear God, look out for our favorite Bennett Bell, Lindsley Gay. That's the prayer. May that, she, may she get healing and restorative healing and back amongst us cutting up and showing out as soon as possible. That's what I want. All right? So that's where we are. Anyway, uh, can I just tell you, my children are annoying as hell. But, you know, all children are, right? And they're not even children. They're just grown-ups. They're annoying grown-ups now. <laughs> oh, I, I, just, I just cannot take them. <laughs> it's just... Oh my God. I, I'm trying to remember if I was just this flaky when I was their age. Probably. I don't know. Anyway, I'm not going to spend my time talking about them. I just wanted to say that out in the open. <laughs> That's all. I just wanted to say my kids are uh, annoying grown-ups. This has nothing to do with love or anything. It just means they are annoying. <laughs> Oh, yay. The housing authority is going to buy the ex-Church Street South site for $21 million. Okay. They're going to go with that. So housing authorities Karen DeVos Walton and Northland's Larry Gottsdana, the city's public housing authority, has reached an agreement with the Massachusetts-based owners of the former Church Street South site to purchase the vacant expanse across from Union Station and build it up into a new mixed income housing complex. Now, before people get their lips all torn up, uh, I don't know anybody else who is interested, who is interested 
in public housing or creating housing for, for poor people. <laughs> Harry? <laughs> I don't know. The one on the bottom creeps me out, Harry. I don't... <laughs> I don't know. The one on the bottom is giving me is giving me slavery narratives. I don't <laughs> let's let's go with the one on top. I'm gonna go with I the one on the bottom just gives me the creeps. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I uh, top, top, top. I don't listen. I look like I look like Sally Hemmings to George Washington. I mean to uh uh what's his face? No, I don't. I'm not feeling that one too much. I'm. I'm not feeling that. So, anyway, this is an inside conversation I have with my producer Harry about a photo that I think he took great joy in creating. <laughs> ah! I, I. I just don't know what to do. I can't. I can't stand it. I can't stand it. Anyway, uh, I'm just gonna uh, I'm just gonna do my own thing. I I I I just have to. I need I need some. Uh, I need a vacation. <laughs> but Thanksgiving is coming, so we'll have some we'll have some time off, and. Uh, and it'll be fine. You know how you just have a, a moment where you're just like, I, I've been doing too much. And I think it's only because, you know, I'm in, I'm, I'm like up to my ears in law school applications. So it's a lot. And I got through some last night, 67% of each application is about done. So the only thing that's left is the, the, the stuff that you, you have to write. And uh, and I'm quite challenged by that. Not because I can't do it. It's because it's just the time, the commitment of time. So I'm spending all my time doing that. So uh, that's where we are. So uh, you know. Anyway, here we go. Uh, Anyway, anyway, anyway. Well, because people don't want to concentrate low income because we've already done concentrations. I just, you know, I, 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 when I go to New Haven Independent and I see these comments, and I think people just be saying stuff without any real thought to what they are saying. They just be popping off. And I love this Obama phrase. They just be popping off at the mouth. Do you know why they're not going to make all of that low? Because nobody wants to see a concentration of low-income housing ever again. Because that does not work. We've seen that model over and over and over and over again. So we have to be much more progressive. You know what works? Mixed income and mixed use uh, 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 projects work better. Damn. Huh. And I don't have time. I don't have enough time to explain why this doesn't work. But if you go spend some time reading 
There's a couple of books out there to talk about this. There's a couple of white papers out there. You could just do a whole search, talk about why, you know, that kind of stuff failed. Now, I, I will say this, what bothers me on a lot of levels um, when they say uh, a concentration of poor people is problematic. And it is because the concentration of poor people, it comes with a whole lot of um, uh, other, other issues that affluence and um, middle class people don't have, so uh, and and that's the that's the heart of the things that we have to talk about. Those are the things that we don't want to talk about. It's not simply just housing. Of course, they can build housing just for low income people, but we've done that, calling them housing projects. We've done that, and it didn't bode well. And then everybody was whining about why. Why the concentration? I mean, Monterey Place is a good example of mixed income, mixed use, and um, and a tightly uh, a tightly run ship, right? Because that's what you have to have. You got to have that. Anyway, I I'm interested in, you know, if there could be room for some tiny house uh, commitment, some tiny house conversation in this land deal right in this in this in this so that uh we can begin the conversations of really housing the homeless folks right like 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 that to me would be worth having the conversation that's all <sighs> but yet again if we if we had some leadership in this city you know, beyond the housing authority, <laughs> then we could we could broach these conversations and they could be part of the larger conversation. Like, hey, while we are looking at mixed income, mixed use uh, projects, developments, let's also pilot tiny house projects in this whole structure, right? I'm not talking like a gazillion of them, but enough to sort of say, let's give this a shot and see how this works. And then then we could court other developers of tiny house, you know, uh, for homeless folks. That that's 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 the kind of creativity that I'd like to see. <sighs> oh, I just oh my bones are just weary thinking about all these things you know but the good thing is i have a platform so i could talk all the stuff that i want to talk so so somebody is listening to me somewhere and they'll take this and run with it or they'll have a larger conversation somewhere or somebody will be like oh she shouldn't even whatever but i i would i would suffice to say i was suffice to say um that uh i think this is a good idea high five housing authority you know why? Because they're the only ones that are tasked with um, providing low, moderate income housing. Nobody else is. There's nobody else. You're not going to get developers to come in here and say, I'm going to build low income housing because I could make some money. That's not that is not at the heart of business. We want people to be altruistic in ways that they're not going to be altruistic. Do you know what I mean? Like, we're not going to do it. <laughs> It's not. 
So we have to, and and listen, I don't even want to get into a philosophical conversation about why won't they do it? Couldn't they do it? Listen, I'm of the I'm of the mindset that we can do anything. We can do anything. But in doing anything, uh, we have to be clear, you know. So I mean, I I I I think there's all kinds of things that you could do in city government that that you know, you know how we say if you if you if you're a police officer, well, I don't know if we say that, but other places say uh if you if you are on the police force, you have to work in in the city that you are policing, or if you're a firefighter, you have to work in the community that you're firefighting. You know, I mean, we places say that all the time. I mean, when I was in grad school many, many moons ago, I was working for the Giuliani administration, uh, and they wanted to hire me, but they didn't hire me because they had a a, a clause in 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 their in their employment policies that said if you don't work for the city, you have to live in the city. I didn't live in the city. I lived in Connecticut, so I would have to commute in. And they were like, ah, ah, ah. Can you, can you move to New York? And my then husband was like, we just bought a house. We can't move. We're not moving to New York. And he's a New Yorker. So I, we could do anything. I mean, we could say anything. We could do anything. We could legislate anything. We could put all kinds of policies in place to do any number of things. But it requires creative leadership and an imaginative a uh, uh, team of folks who can take these big ticket dreams and 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 create a, a pathway to reality to to making it happen. Now we don't have that in New Haven. So while we don't have that, you know, uh, I mean, we we got a whole mayor who's like, oh, bulldoze the damn homeless camp. <laughs> I'm not their mayor. <laughs> they didn't vote <laughs> I'm just paraphrasing I don't know if he said I'm not their mayor that just, that's just the opposite of what I was saying the other day that I wished he would have went over there with a tent and some cooking utensils and, and pitched a tent with those folks and said you know what I'm your mayor too and because I'm your mayor I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be right beside you helping, helping to cure this homelessness that's that I mean Come on, you know, but no, he's the mayor of, I don't know what to do. So I do the most stupidest thing. Anyway, uh. <laughs> whatever, what else to say? It'll be what it'll be. I got bigger fish to fry. God knows I do. Anyway. That's that's the world and what I live in. So, uh, I mean, listen. Just yesterday, I was lamenting. Why don't they sell hot dogs at the beer hall at East Rock Brewery? They need to sell damn hot dogs. It's just personal. <laughs> they probably like hot dogs, Babs. That means we have to have all this stuff. No, you just need a refrigerator. And when the you know when you go to the you go to the sporting events, they have hot dog makers. You know, the kind that rotate or the kind you put flat. Don't brush them with butter, though, because I won't be able to eat them. We have a, we have a little cop shortage. Uh, I, you know what? I don't even... Shh. <laughs> 
Let's go buy my buy my business. I've had enough. 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 I just got you know what? Be over here. I'm gonna be over here on the radio. <laughs> I'll be over here. I'll be over be over here and uh uh, and, and get some light. I'm going to sit over here and get some light and some love and just be, you know, uh, minding my business. I, I hope everybody had a good Veterans Day. You know, hope people had a good Veterans Day. I hope. That is my hope. You know, good Veterans Day. Because, uh, It's good to remember veterans, but it's it's also good to remember the reality of veterans. I don't think we treat veterans well in this country, uh, and particularly not veterans of color. Fight me if you want. I don't, you know, talk to me about it. What you know about it? I just feel like we just don't. And 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 let me tell you how I know this because people are starting to feel like they don't want to go into the military. They don't want to go into the military because they're starting to understand that it's not a good option. You, you don't get much for serving. And the military acts as though, you know, like people are out of out of out of pocket asking for basic things. You know, I uh, if we have people in the military serving this country, ready to fight, lay down their lives voluntarily. Then they should be well compensated. There should not be any hassles with insurance. They should be able to live where they want to live and pay, uh, 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 uh buy housing or pay rent that is, uh, uh, within, uh, their means. I I just don't I don't. Otherwise, I don't understand anything. I don't. I don't understand what would be the benefit of going into the military. You know, when I was a young woman, you know, people used to go into the military um, because it was a way to get out of communities that were impoverished, um, th that it was a way that people could get education and it was a way that people could see the world and, uh, and it was a way that people could support themselves and make a good living. I don't know when all that shifted. I, I just don't know. Uh I don't know when that shifted, but it just, uh, it just, it just, I, I was reading something the other day that says the recruiting numbers are down, you know, and, uh, and I don't know why they don't, uh, uh, I, I don't know why they don't advocate for better resources and I know the military budget is probably the largest budget. You know, it's just uh, daunting to me. It's just so many things that don't make sense. Do you know what I mean? Like, just doesn't doesn't make sense. You know, and yet we don't. It's not enough. And there are people on the ground. Don't get me wrong. There are people on the ground who are pushing back on a lot of narratives in a lot of directions. You know, whether it's, you know, uh, I mean, um, uh, benefits for veterans. I mean, I, I watched um, uh, the the comedian guy, 
what is his name? The white guy. You know, he has been championing the causes of vets and, and very specific vets, the ones that uh, are suffering. Uh, oh, no. Uh, uh, John Stewart is championing the 9-11 first responders, you know, uh, because you know how you know how America does out of sight, out of mind. You know the the initial, you know at, at the beginning of nine eleven, the first the first weeks, we we couldn't we couldn't do enough for first responders. You know we would have given them the shirts off our backs when we when we knew. And then you know, as time goes by, you know we act as though we don't owe them something. And people who freaking ran into a building that was hit by terrorists. And these people are still begging for, you know, coverage and and money and access. And ah, why? See, this is my, I think this is a lamenting Tuesday. <laughs> I think this is a lamenting Tuesday. Because I have so many things that are just irritating me to no end. And, you know. Uh, to no end. Just no end. So, you know. We'll, uh, we'll figure it out. We'll, 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 we'll figure it out. And that's my default. And when I say that, it just means we won't. And uh, and we'll just move on to the next, whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever it is. We'll move on to the next, whatever it is, and uh, and we'll and we'll go on to the next, whatever it is. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, it's uh, a lot going on. It's a lot going on. So if you get a chance, go over to the um if you want some 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 news that is important to black people, go on over to the uh innercitynews.com site and the uh the digital paper is embedded so you can see it. But if you want to know what's going on that affects black people, pick it up. You know. And and you know, we 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 put a mashup of black stuff that's going around the country and the world you know we 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 cover the whole world of blackness <laughs> not just connecticut not just new haven we, we you know we 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 black everywhere so we we try to pull from our our sister papers you know our cousin papers you know that kind of thing because that's the connecting tissue for black folks and uh and i get so many black people who I, I picked up the inner city and I saw a story on Sacramento where I used to live, or I, you had a story running about what was happening in Austin, or uh, I, I saw a story about something in Tuscaloosa, Mississippi, or I mean, Alabama, or uh, you know what I mean? Like, so I get people who are like, I saw the paper and I picked up something that was unique to my, to where I came from or where I went to school or my mom and them live or my cousins are there or I remember I was there or you know something like that and 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 that is the point that is the point that uh you know we don't live in isolation 
and uh, and for Black folks, it's just it's just important to know what other Black folks are doing around the country um, to inspire, uh, to uh, say to ourselves, "Oh no, we don't want to do that," <laughs> or say to ourselves, "I like that, but we can make this work in New Haven if we do this." Right? Like that's 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 the that's my thinking about when I curate content for the inner city, you know, particularly if it's around issues. Uh and most issues are 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 what we're up against here in New Haven. You know, so so I, I like pulling that stuff from other places, especially around health, especially around development, uh and just and just what cool black people are doing in sp- other spaces you know, to inspire and to um, spur people on to do cool stuff here. And and there's a lot of cool stuff going on here, believe it or not. There's a lot of cool stuff going on here. There's a lot of cool people doing a lot of cool stuff here. And that's the thing about this city, you know, and, 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 I, and I get so annoyed with people who are like, you know, they want to be comparative. They want to compare New Haven to like New York. Oh, there's so much to do in New York. Duh. Duh, and I'm sh- I'm sure people in Madison be like, oh, there's so much to do in New Haven. I mean, it's all relative, right? So, but I I don't we don't need the comparison. We stand on our own merits, you know. Like the other day, I was on the New Haven Independent site yesterday, and they were somebody was whining about, you know, the traffic downtown for events. Like, well, that's where the events happen, and if you wasn't going to an event, uh, then shut up. <laughs> And you're only saying that because it affected you personally and directly. You didn't give a damn about other people. Because if you did, you'd be like, oh, look at all these people trying to get to the theater. Or, you know, to the theaters. Because there's a bunch of theaters in in a, in a one-block radius. Right? So, what? And then there's restaurants. So, people get downtown. They want to... They want to have a whole experience. They want to go eat, and then they want to walk across the street to the theater or up the street to the theater. I I dig that. That's that's a great date night, or that's a great. I'm gonna hang with my girlfriend's night, or I want to go see this particular thing. I'm gonna get something to eat, something to drink, and then I'm gonna go on over to the theater. So don't get mad because there's vibrancy. And I, you know, listen when I'm in traffic. And I remember Doug Hosladen said this, uh, you're not in traffic, you are traffic. <laughs> and ever since he said that, it just freaked me out. <laughs> ever, ever since he said that, I was just like, oh, I'm not, I'm not in traffic. <laughs> I I am, I am uh I am traffic. So anyway, it's just funny to me that people just go on and on and on and on and on and on about things. And you know, people who do that, they're just not happy anyway. So many, there's so many, so many crotchety, unhappy people that just freaks me out at the level that they spend being unhappy and grouchy (laughs) and take great pride 
in the grouchiness. Oh Lord, I don't, I don't get it. I, I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm at my best when I'm happy. I don't know about anybody else, but uh, I'm at my absolute best when I'm happy. I dare say most people are, but they don't know how to, they don't know how to, they don't know how to stay in that space, you know. And and I will let me go so far as to say this: that the things that people are unhappy about are really not the things that they're unhappy about. It's always a masquerade for some other thing. And that's what I believe. Now, listen, I am no psychoanalyst, psychotherapist. I'm no counselor. I'm no whatever. I'm just playing one on the radio. But for me, I just always think when people come out, they bag about stuff. That is really not about that stuff. It's some other underlying issue that they refuse to sort of excavate and get to the heart of. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, if you're beefing with somebody, you're not really beefing with them. You, you met, I was watching a, I was watching this little segment on some old Facebook, TikTok. I think it was an excerpt. Uh, you know how people be filming stuff. I think it was a reenactment of some sort. Because uh, I don't understand why you would have a camera on you all the time when you're having just regular conversations with people. So this was a stage, it was an acting thing. And I think it was from a show. Because some of these shows I don't watch. Like I don't I don't like these, I don't like these drama shows, these black drama shows. I don't watch those. I don't watch the real housewives or or I, I just don't like that kind of stuff on my brain. Because it's just tedious to me. Like I'm like, why do you spend this time from in my mind? I don't watch any of these. I don't watch uh, Tyler Perry's sisters or uh, the Oval Off. I don't watch. I don't like those shows. I remember I used to have a steady diet of that kind of stuff. I don't know, maybe thirty years ago when I was a young woman. But now I'm older. I don't. I don't really have the bandwidth for that kind of foolishness, that stuff. So anyway, this particular episode, and it it was very personal. It hit personally. And you know, when you see stuff like this, you you can you can divine for yourself uh how this relates to you, right? So I'm watching this thing. So I guess this woman was in relationship with this guy, but they weren't in relationship. They had a child together. But he wasn't into her like that. But they slept together, they did stuff together, but he made it clear, I'm not into you or whatever. So they must have went somewhere together and some chick came up and said, um, oh, I'm his girlfriend or whatever. And she got all bent out of shape and stormed off and she was mad. And uh, and then he follows her back. And she had a key to his house the whole night. I mean, he had a key to her house, you know, under the guise of, you know, you're his father, you should be able to come and go. Or, I mean, and they were still sleeping together, kind of, whatever. But anyway, he's got this girlfriend. So she was upset and I'm watching this play out. And he was telling her, I told you, we had a moment. We're no longer in that moment. I'm always love you as the mother of my son. We got to have a relationship. I said, but I, this is my girl. I'm seeing this. I'm in a relationship with this. And this woman was so incensed. And I knew in that moment, I was like, I understand that. I get it. Because that was just me like a year ago. I was in that same kind of thing, you know. Not not quite that. Not, not quite 
that. But I could see how uh, I was ready to get out of something and I and I couldn't get out of it. Or it, it was so it was it was nice to stay in it for too long. That's that's what I want to say. That it was nice to stay in it for too long when it really should have been cut cut out, cut down, you know, two or three years prior. <laughs> so I'm saying all that to say is that we're not mad at other people. We're mad at ourselves when we when we are in situations and we feel like we didn't pay attention or we allowed this to happen and we did not get ourselves out of it um, for whatever reason. And I could clearly see this woman was just mad. She was mad at herself for just spending the time going through these through this challenge and and I think so rather than deal with the I think my point is this we spend a lot of time not getting to the truth of things and staying stuck on what we imagine is the issue what we imagine is the issue rather than what the real issue is you know and and sometimes and most times the real issue is your own insecurities and your own uh not walking in truth about who this person is and what you are to them and who you are to yourself you know and i think people are in comfortable relationships because they don't know how to be in relationship with themselves and so they're always looking for somebody else to bring them something that they themselves think they do not possess in and of by themselves, you know. And I, I pay attention to, to, to people in relationships. You know, I, I know women who still won't go to a restaurant and have dinner by themselves or go to a bar or anything by themselves, you know. And that somehow or other, being in relationship to somebody, it gives them a sense of belonging that they and above themselves don't see without being in, attached to somebody. And I don't say this to say relationships or marriages or anything is bad. I I liked being married. I like being in relationship. I mean, I I like where I'm at right now. I I can't even imagine. I'm, but I'm always in relationship with people. So it's not even like I'm not in relationship. I'm I'm in relationship with all kinds of people, which I suits me. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm not of that. Oh, there's a special someone. All my friends are special to me. They are. I, there's nobody more special than Ben. There's nobody more special than me. Like I, I, I just like where I'm at. I like it. And uh, I just want people to spend a little more time doing that reflective work of, well, what do you think you need? Because I think when you figure out what you think you need in your life, then you can give it to yourself. 
you know, and, and, and a lot of the people's issues, because people will always go back to, oh, I didn't have a father, or I didn't have a mother, or I didn't have, I didn't have whatever. You know, it's always that refrain, right? I, I, whatever, whatever it is, the lack is, whatever the lack is, they hold on to it very fiercely. And I say this to my kids all the time at nauseam, and I know they're sick of it because, you know, they like to just, you know, throw stuff out there because they think it's going to hurt or something. And, uh, you know, well, you don't do this, you know, I said, well, whatever you think you didn't get, go give it to yourself now. <laughs> and and then they have to think about this. They have to stop and think and they get annoyed because what I'm not going to do and, and I'm not going to allow them to do is heap some imaginary guilt on me for something that they thought I should have done for them when I've done everything that I know to do for them. And that's it. So whatever you didn't get from me, your father, your community, go give it to yourself now. If you didn't have, if you didn't have, if I wasn't the kind of mother that you wanted, then mother yourself up the way that you wanted to be mothered. Do it right now. And and then throw in some therapy so that you can frame that out for yourself. <laughs> I swear to God, I say I say that all the time to them when they when they get all cloudy and you know, whatever, 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 and they start that, you know, well, you do for so and so and you don't do for me. All right, well, well, you know what? You go do for yourself what you didn't get. Go give yourself what you didn't get. You need what you need. <laughs> Go give it to yourself right now. And then they got to think about that. Okay, well, what does that mean? Well, you got to go find out. Go, You know, I, I tell them, you know what? Start with a journal. Start writing down every day how you feel. Or if you're mad, say why you're mad. If you're happy, say why you're happy. You know, and, and then don't forget to, to act to 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 log in all the things that you're grateful for. What are you grateful for? You know, you spend a lot of time talking about what you lack. What are you grateful for? And this is the work that I've done 30, 40 years ago. That's why I'm that's why I'm in the way that I am. That's why I'm not sweating nothing. That's why I'm pretty happy in my damn life. And I want them to be happy. But they think that something outside of themselves is the thing. They think something outside of themselves, whether it's relocation or a particular job or a particular size or a particular man or woman or a particular, you know, piece of pie is just gonna bring them some happiness. No. And I, I don't just say it to my kids, I say it to to anybody who was lamenting, you know, and it's like it's like it's like my own little permission slip to people uh, when they when they go on about whatever they lack and it's a it's a lack story you know it's the it's a story of lack and it's a story it's the lesser story because they can't fathom the bigger story you know and everybody thinks it's hard to uh to envision a better life for themselves if you could dream, you could imagine a bigger life for yourself, whatever that is. And I don't mean like material stuff. I mean, I can have a, I, my first car was a Mercedes. What? What is that? I, I believed in all the trappings too. 
I, I used to believe in that mess too. I don't now, because I'm first of all, I'm older. And when you have lost things, you realize if you've lost things and you're still standing, then you realize it never was those things. <laughs> it never was a, the best times I've ever had was not because I had a nice car or a nice house. It was never that. It was whatever was happening in that house or where I was driving that car to. Those were the things that had value and made memory. I don't know anybody who was like, oh, I, I, I loved the staircase in my house so much that I can't imagine another staircase. I, I don't think people are, are attached to, to things like that. I think what, what people will say is, I remember the stairway in my house because all the holiday pictures we used to take on it or prom. I took my prom pictures coming down the stairs in my house or uh, so-and-so got married in our house. It's the, it's those things. It's the memories of, it's not the actual physical things. So I always just tell people, you know, particularly when I sit with them and, and they start the story of, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. And sometimes you have to know when people are just talking and lamenting and when they really need a, a kind word or whatever, you know. So you listen to people and you let them lament, you know, and you and you really hear them. Uh, I, I take great joy in bearing witness with people. I find that quite comforting because I know what it's like to have been so alone in the world that you just want to die. And I never want anybody else to feel that way in my presence. And and I, I think that's why, uh, as Ife says, everybody thinks they're your friend. <laughs> and 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 everybody everybody says that too. Everybody believes. And and it, and I think there's a lot of truth to that. Because I never want anybody to be in my presence and not be seen or heard and paid attention to. And that brings me a great deal of joy. It gives me a great deal of joy to be able to stand or sit or be in community with people and really hear them and see them and enjoy their company. Now, I mean, I think there are people who I don't even like who don't even know I don't like them. <laughs> Because you can like people and not want to destroy them. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, I don't have no desire to destroy anybody. There's people who I don't like, but I don't want harm to come to them. And I don't want to be in the way or stand in the way of their progress. You know, I'm not, I'm not that kind of person. First of all, I don't have the energy for that. That takes, that takes a lot of energy to be plotting against people and, because I just have a little bit of time left on the planet. I want to I want to do all the things that make me happy. I, I, that doesn't make me happy to be thinking about how I could shut somebody else down, how I could stomp on somebody. Like, what? Who's time for that? When all this good bars in the world and good restaurants in the world and good shows in the world and good places to go and beaches, I'd rather spend my time doing that. So for me... It is, it is, it is, it is my great honor and joy and privilege to just be with people in real meaningful ways. 
you know, to listen to them, to look them in the eye, to notice them. Do you know what I mean? And to hear them and to listen to them. And people think that that's like, that's exhausting. It really, it, it really isn't to, to, to see people, you know, um, and to just listen and like, you know, don't be talking, <laughs> you know, because people, people talk a lot. I talk a lot because I'm on radio, but when I'm with people, I usually let people do, do the talking, you know, I talk very little actually when I'm with people <laughs> and I'm telling all my secrets. <laughs> I talk very little when I'm out there in the world, you know, uh, but I like a good conversation. I always have. I always have. Even when I was a little kid, I loved a good conversation. And I think it's because, I don't think this is a word you hear so much. I'm very curious. I'm a, I, 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 I'm a very curious person of how people move through in and throughout their lives and in the world. I, I'm very curious about how people do the things that they do and go where they go and say what they say. I'm curious about that um and i don't know i don't i don't ever want to be not curious i think i'll be in the nursing home curious about people and their lives and their stories i think i will i'm that person i'm cu i'm curious <laughs> i'm very curious about people uh so, so yeah, so, so yeah, that's, that's my thing. I never want anybody to feel like they're not seen or heard in my presence. Cause I know what it's like to be all alone in the world and to feel like you want to die and, and too afraid to tell anybody that you want to die and, and too afraid to, to tell somebody that it hurts, that you hurt because you don't even know how to explain the hurt. You don't even know what's what's hurting you just know that there's this overwhelming sense of 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 despair you know that's and 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 it's like i used to say it's like falling backwards with nothing to grab onto i know that feeling well now i it's been a long time since i've had that feeling <laughs> of despair and hopelessness and uh and I just made a point <laughs> that I would just change my mind about how I moved about the world and who I wanted to be in the world. And I think this was, and I think it was just after coming out of Danbury uh, federal prison camp uh, that really made me think about uh, who I wanted to be in the world moving forward. Cause at that particular time I got to, I had to really reinvent my, myself and whatever, whatever was on my heart and mind, I had to, I had to repair, you know, I had to repair that. And so I spent the next decade working on repairing myself, re repairing. That's, that's the only thing I could say, repairing myself from top to bottom, from how I thought about things to how I reacted to things, to what I read, to what I listened to. Like I had to repair some things. 
and 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 notice when uh uh be deliberate deliberate and intentional about noticing myself in in the moment at any turn and that was the beginning of repairing myself and setting a different course for my life uh you know with with great attention and great uh and a, and a great zest for living that's 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 really what it what it was and still is and that's why I'm 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 the happiest I've ever been in my whole life I I do the kind of work that I I'm so blessed to get to be on this radio and have this platform. I love, 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 love it. And I love curating content for the inner city because to me, that's necessary work. It's just, it's just necessary work. I'm, I feel blessed that I get to, you know, I, I live in a great apartment, although it looks like a, um, you know, dorm storage room, but I've ordered paint. I'm great to have people over. We're going to paint. And we're going to do stuff. We're going to get organized. I'm going to get the Virgos in here. And they're going to do their Virgo thing. But I have ordered my life in such a way so that I really, I am really living from a place of great abundance. And abundance doesn't mean things. Doesn't, it doesn't, you know, I mean, New Hallville is one of the poorest neighborhoods in the city. But the vibrancy here is, is unmatched. The vibrancy is unmatched. You know, I wouldn't trade it for anything. And and there are apartments that I wanted in this city that they wouldn't give to me. And you know, no one wants to take a risk on somebody who is a felon and uh and has a poor credit score. <laughs> so so I, I'm not mad at them. People who knew me were like, no, no. But that's all right because I landed where I'm supposed to be land. I landed where I'm supposed to be landed, and I have this amazing existence. So that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. So you know. So I'll be back. I'm coming back with uh. Guess who I'm talking to? I don't. I am not familiar with uh one New England orchestra. But they are coming on. Uh, James Sinclair. He is the maestro, Orchestra New England. Orchestra New England, a New, a New Haven-based orchestra that is celebrating its 50th season. So they'll be back. They'll be on at 10.15. He'll be on at 10.15. So they've got some big event to celebrate and I, I want to talk to them about it. They reached out to me, which was really, really cool because I did not know of them. So so I'm big on the, on the, on the symphony scene. <laughs> I'll be back.
This is Harry Droz and you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM New Haven.
to love Babs Love Talk. I'm Babs Rolls Ivy. This morning, I'm delighted. I get to talk to uh, Maestro James Sinclair. Oh, thanks, Babs. So, so Orchestra New England is uh, celebrating 50th, a 50th uh, anniversary. 
It is uh, 50 years, uh, uh, starts this season, and the actual birthday will be in March. But we have a concert coming up uh, here in November that starts our season. Wow. So I I, I am not familiar with Orchestra New England. Where are y'all housed? Well, it's uh, New Haven-based, born in New Haven, actually born at Yale in 1974, Oh, uh, but uh, we perform a at Battelle Chapel at times. Uh, this concert coming up in November twenty five, uh, Saturday after Thanksgiving, is at the United Church on the Green because that recreates how concert making was done in New Haven in the late colonial era, eighteen seventy five, seventy seven, uh, eighteen seventeen eighty seven. Hello. <laughs> I, it's very hard to switch uh, centuries during um, uh, the morning. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so all right, so tell me about the music of uh, uh, Orchestra New England. Tell me about what do y'all what do y'all play? What's the what is it? it classical music? Yes, is it all right. Kinds it, of music? Classical and pops. Uh, oh, and uh, by classical, I embrace uh, the Baroque era and current modern condition uh, compositions that we commission. Uh -huh. So it's uh, quite a, a broad spectrum. Well, it's saved from uh, a, a Bach concerto to a Sousa march. Okay. And so how big is this orchestra? It, well, it varies with the type of literature. Uh, a Baroque concert may be 12, 15 players, and a Pops concert may be 40 players. Wow. And so um, do you pay musicians or do they volunteer? Oh, yes. it, it's a okay. professional orchestra. Right. Wow, I uh, love top this. scale musicians. They're really terrific. And so, how long have you been the maestro? Uh, since the beginning, I've really? gone fifty years. Uh, it must have started. Uh, tell me, maybe when I was ten years old. Uh, I think so. I was going to say uh, ten, twelve, something like that. <laughs> I think I was twenty-seven. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you must love it. Yes, absolutely. It's a family of players, and they enjoy being together. We have a grand time. Wow. Okay, so so you started at Yale, mm -hmm. and you... And, well, we made a transition from being a student and all volunteer group to mm -hmm. a professional orchestra. It took three years to make that transition. That wasn't easy. I would not want to try it again. Uh, and since then, we've made recordings uh, for international companies. Uh, we'll make a new one coming up this March. And uh, have uh, been just super successful. Wow. So now are you a Yale grad too? Uh, did you go to Yale? No, I've taught at Yale. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Are you are you still teaching at Yale or you yes. let that go? No, I'm, I'll be teaching, uh, teaching a course starting in January. Really? So do yeah. you love teaching? Uh, oh, absolutely. Because, uh, you know, I've dedicated my life to a particular music uh, of a... Uh, uh, Connecticut-born composer whose uh, name is Charles Ives, and his 150th birthday is next year, so it's right down my specialty. So, it's oh, okay. Year. So, so when when somebody wants to talk about Mr. Ives, they call you. Oh yeah, they do. <laughs> Any so time of night. <laughs> what about him that makes him uh, renowned for you? <clears throat> well. His music's very uh, imaginative. It's very much about uh, 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 American society, in particular, growing up in a Connecticut small town. What was small town for him? Danbury. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, then he went to Yale University, so uh, or Yale College, I should say, at the time. And uh, his music is about our holidays, about our people, about our hymnody. Uh, it just embraces Americana and and um, represents it. So uh, it it rang familiar and true to me, and I started specializing in his music. And that's how the group started. We were premiering works of Charles Ives in 1974. So when we come around in March to do our 50th birthday, it will be his uh, music that we perform. Okay. And so you don't get tired of his music? Oh, no. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) It's a complete adventure. And I'm recording the complete works, uh, orchestral works of Ives for the Noxos label, which in classical music is the dominant recording company in the world. Wow, that's pretty impressive. All right, so how do you teach young people to care about this music, Maestro Sinclair? Well, you give them a picture of his life and his uh, dedication to helping others. Uh, He was an immensely successful businessman, Mm -hmm. apart from his composing, and... uh, so he he had uh, tremendous resources and he used them to help the people working in uh in music composers performers so what was his make business recordings uh insurance uh charles ives was the most important figure in insurance in america uh in the, uh, after the turn of the century that is to say 1910s 20s uh and uh made made a ton of money and he gave a lot a lot of way Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay all right so so when you teach about this music when you teach people orchestral music um do they are they excited by it do you find the students today uh are very interested in orchestral music uh, well, certainly uh, here, here at uh, at the Yale School of Music, they have some of the finest people from all over the world, and they're eager to find out about uh, Charles Ives because uh, he's the most important composer that went through Yale. He's the most important composer that Connecticut ever produced. He's one of the top four composers in classical music in America uh, in its history. Okay. So, um, so you've got a concert coming up. We do. I put on a wig. We light candles and November 25, as you're about to say, it's a Saturday right after Thanksgiving. Ye old times. (laughs) That's right. It's kind of fascinating to uh, revisit uh, the colonial era. We all dressed up, of course, in costume of the period. Uh, Concerts in those times were at meeting houses. Mm-hmm. And uh, the meeting house, of course, served for political, social, religious, musical uh, 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 needs for the community. And so at United Church on the Green, that's the North Church on the New Haven's Green, uh, we can recreate in a perfect environment what it was like in those days. Wow. And so do you like candles? Because I'm looking at the picture. Yeah. I see yeah. lots of candles. Yeah, we that's it. You know, they had nothing but candles. We have to add a little wattage so that we can read the darn music. <laughs> yeah, we we're not gonna sing by candlelight because it's it's a nope. new day. We can that's we can... no, no, our our eyes aren't there anymore. <laughs> right. Okay, so that's that's a concert, and then the 50th birthday concert is March 
March uh, nine, and nine. that's that's it's the all <clears throat> that's the all lives concert. It's a Sprague Hall, um, and then at the uh, end of our concert season, per se, we do a lot of concerts that aren't on these trio of special events that we present in New Haven. But our last concert is May four. It was eleven. It's now four. Oh, okay. Uh, a okay. Saturday night, the fourth of May. And uh, that will have some new works written for us and a big, uh, bold, noisy, uh, exciting piece by Beethoven, an overture. Okay. Now, do you, do you like when people write new works of classical music? Like, how does that happen? Like, what is yeah, that of course. like? Well, it turned to people that, who I admire uh, and uh, asked them to write something specially for uh, the size orchestra. This is going to be our largest orchestra it's uh, the 40 piece uh, version and uh that's the orchestra that beethoven would have known so there has trombones and horns and trumpets and all the woodwinds and strings plus keyboards uh and um number of percussionists so it uh it'll be a very exciting event at the end of the season and that's wow. at Battelle chapel so we're moving oh, yeah. around to specialized spaces that are appropriate to the given concert. It's very nice in March to be back at Sprague Hall because that's where the orchestra was born. Mm -hmm. And it's always terrific to be at United Church on the Green because that place is the meeting house for uh, a colonial event to happen. And that uh, uh, has been going on for 44 years. Okay. And so so this is very strategic. So it's not just the music that you that you are planning for. It is where the music is played uh, right. that that is part of this experience. That's right. Now do y'all get a chance to play outdoors, outside? Oh yes, yes. In many concerts we've done uh 80 pops concerts uh, around the Connecticut uh uh towns over oh, the years. Okay. And pops being popular music like Yeah. Well, Star uh, Wars know, and right. There's like music that. from movies. There's music from shows. There's mm -hmm. uh, Susan Marches and Americana that that are appropriate. And, you know, think of a Fourth of July concert. That's what those are like. Oh, okay. And do you yeah. do you like playing that that kind of music? Do you? Oh, like... very much, very much. Okay. The whole group does. <laughs> you know, you like to be in front of an audience that's uh, uh, excited about what you bring, and it's situational. When we do the Colonial concert with wigs on, the audience is into the event, and when you do a pops concert outside in the summer, uh, you, everyone's festive. Everyone's having a good time. They've got their chosen beers. It's all good fun. Okay. So now where do you get costumes from? Like, how do you get colonial time costumes? Like, who's making that stuff? Yeah, well, <laughs> fine fine folks do it. And uh, we can order them to size from costumers who do the shows that tour the country uh, okay. for musicals, et cetera. You know, there are a number of, of sources for that. Okay. Yeah. okay. So we get all dolled up. Okay, so you... So you think about that when you now is the colonial times part of your season all the time yeah. or mm -hmm. this is something it's always special? been there. Yeah. Oh, OK. Right. Okay. You can buy individual tickets, of course. Uh, and the orchestra has a, a presence on online as orchestra New England in one word dot org. Okay. And it's at that location you can buy tickets. 
And so do people who appreciate the colonial music? I, I would imagine that they do. And do you, yes. and do well, you, you try see, to it's... keep it as close to original? Oh, absolutely. Uh, but uh, the music that was popular, Haydn and, and uh, uh, Mozart, uh, mm -hmm. Handel's music, uh, George Frederick Handel's music, the guy that wrote Messiah, uh, all of that was very popular then. I'm due to be, I, I didn't, no one, no one said how long we might be talking, but I, I'm going to run out of time. I'm sorry okay. to say. That's all right. Okay. Well, I'm so happy that you could come on this morning. I'm I'm thrilled, Babs. You you do a great service uh, to the community, and you're so good at it. Oh well, well, thank you. And uh, I'm going to try to catch one of these concerts. Oh, we'd just... like to have you. So just ask, no problem. Uh, and I hope uh, we chat again when it gets around to this 50th birthday itself. In oh, I'd spring. love to. I'd love to hear That'd more be about this. Well, thank you for your time, Maestro. I appreciate meeting you and hearing you. about uh, Orchestra New England. Thank you very much, Bam. All right. Have a good one. <laughs>